Hi, I'm Jacqueline Freeman. And I'm Sarah Korn. You're listening to Kitchen Table Alchemy, living in full color. This is a podcast for people who see and spread the magical in everyday life. Hello, welcome. So how is your week going so far, Jacqueline? I know. So uh, <laughs> we're like trying to figure out... we're. We need to turn the mic on earlier and earlier because we yeah. have these amazing conversations. Before right. the mic. I, like, yeah. turn on the mic, turn on the mic. So I, I today we're like things. starting the mic, like from the beginning. Like, yeah. let's figure out what we're going to talk about. Like, turn the mic on and figure out what we're talking about. Um, so this week, I've, I, so I've been following The Artist's Way, right? We've got a group. Which is uh, a book. It is a book. Okay. Um, it was written in the 70s and it's basically... A practice to get creatives unblocked and moving mm. in their work again. Okay. Right? Yeah. So um, I went to lunch uh, with a with a friend and colleague of mine, and she told me she had started it like the week before, and um, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing! I've been meaning to do. I've bought this book. Who's to- the author? Oh, man. Is it a woman? It is a woman. Is she the one who recommends, like, three pages a day or, yes. like, morning pages? The morning pages. Oh, my gosh. So I, gonna... was on, I was on a, what is it, one of those telesummits, the online telesummits, and she was one of the guests, and I listened to her thing. That is so cool. Yes. Yes. How cool. Wow. Okay. I know more about this than I thought I did. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we, we like, this is one of those things that, that happened really, really fast, right? Mm-hmm. So... Right now, uh, so Margo and I are hosting the calls for the Artist Way, and then I started my chakra class, right? I went to Reno last month to digitalize some of that content, mm. and in the process of working on the digitalization, it was like, oh, I want to teach this face-to-face again. So I like <laughs> threw something on Facebook, I'm thinking about teaching this, is there anyone interested? And people were like, me, 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 and so we started, we started the chakra class. And then the Artist Way kind of start. it was kind of the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. we threw it on Facebook, and within a week... We had a group and started doing these like weekly calls to okay to keep as each other kind of an accountability exactly group. our okay. little check in as a group. Right? So so the book has like the process and then as a group you're sort of um, working on it together. Exactly. Okay. Right. Because I so I've mm-hmm. bought the book two or three times in my life and never done it before. <laughs> There's several people in the group that have started it three or four times Mm -hmm. and peter out about week four or five right it's a 12-week program okay um and indeed our last call there were like literally two 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 other people so there were three of us total right um (laughs) so it's like yeah we're right at that place where it's rough you know what i mean um but this week there the one of the activities was basically like a reading embargo right like no no reading like no news no so yeah so like no media. no reading articles no reading books no and of course it was re- the book was written in the 70s so she's not talking about social media but we decided on the call that social media needed to be included in that and because i i feel like the point of doing this reading embargo is to like clean out your mental closet, right? Right. Um, and I went through this for a while, like as part of my depression recovery coming coming out of that horrible depression in Holland, right? Like mm-hmm. I went through this space where I just felt like my head was so full of all these like competing, conflicting things, mm-hmm. and I didn't know 
where I fit in all of that. Right. Like, which of these voices should I be listening to? Which right, I because ignore? I would be in these situations and, like, a line from a movie or a line from a song would come in. And, like, sometimes that's really awesome. Yeah. And sometimes it's terrifying. It's right. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's the spark of inspiration and sometimes it's just more clutter that distracts you from... Exactly. Right. And so... I feel like I'm in that same place with my story right now. <laughs> and I, I actually... My thing that I... Um, just this morning, actually, before I got here, realized is that I need to um, actually just finish a draft of my story, a new draft. And I, I've been working it, like putting down ideas for the last three years while I've been building my business. I've sort of, you know, ha- taken a little time here and there to write down ideas or scenes as they come to me. But I, I've still been like, I don't know exactly how the story goes and I'm not sure quite how it ends. And, and so I've just been, I haven't really like worked on a draft. Right. It's been like waiting for inspiration to show up. Right. Well, and the thing is I get, I have tons of inspiration. So it's not even that I'm waiting for it to show up. It's I have too much. Right. So kind of Mm. going to what you're saying, it's like, it could be about this. I could take it in this direction, that direction. There's so many. And finally I was like, you know what? I need to just write a draft. And and the shift in my thinking was it doesn't have to be the draft. Like okay. I, I realized I had sort of unconsciously put this pressure on myself that okay, now I it's finally be know the enough. best first draft this is, ever. This is the one. This is well because I've already done like two or three draft like okay. previously, like before like years ago, before I started my business and got really busy. So um, so I have done drafts before, and so now it's like, okay, this is the one. You know, this has to be the one. Like, stop wasting your time with all these drafts, right? So, <laughs> so I realized that, like, in the back of my mind, that's why I haven't been able to just sit down and write something, because it had to be the one, right. you know? so now there's all this pressure. So, right, so now I'm like, so what really kind of, like, um... Uh, I don't know, inspired or like scared me or whatever. But so my, my younger son, Darren, who's in fifth grade came home last week and, uh, and he told me, he's like, mom, I'm writing a story in school and it's going to be, you know, this many chapters, it's 60 chapters and I'm going to have it done in two weeks. And now a chapter is like a paragraph or two, you know, cause that's how, but he had, planned out the whole thing exactly how long it was going to be and what was going to happen and i'm just sitting there going okay my fifth grade son is I like just got laughed a, a by book. my fifth grader I <laughs> and i was like oh, okay Sarah. <laughs> something is not right with this <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, so I was like, yeah, you need to just get a draft done even if it's not, you know, the one. And then I realized, so um, I, a while back I'd read The Talent Code, which one of the things they talk about is how a lot of things we think are talent is actually skill, that a yeah. lot more is skill Absolutely. and something you can learn yeah. as opposed to something you're just kind of born with. Right. And so they're talking about that. That goes back to that fixed versus growth is. that we were doing in the first right. couple episodes. Exactly. Yeah. That you can, that the process, you learn something, you put it into practice, you get feedback on it, right? On right. how good is your performance? Where can you improve? That kind of thing. And then you practice again now trying to incorporate what you've learned. And so you just basically repeat that process over and over and over again till you get really good at it. Yeah. And so I realized I need the, the whole, like, having multiple drafts, 
is actually a good thing if I'm getting the feedback in between. Right. And so what I, so now I realize is, okay, I'm going to do the draft, get it as, you know, get that first draft out, then hire an editor or find a friend or someone who is knowledgeable about story. So not just anyone, but someone who right. can give me like professional level feedback and, and then get that feedback and then do another draft and just go through that process until I get to the point that I have something that's publishable quality. Right. Yeah. And yeah. as opposed to like, I have to wait for the right inspiration to hit so I can finally do this thing. <laughs> yeah. No. And then also like, I would say, uh, giving yourself as you get closer and you can see that what a realistic deadline is going to be mm-hmm. giving yourself a deadline for publishing. Yeah. Because otherwise we, we will go back and forth editing and re-editing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Forever. Well, and that's why I think having a professional editor, hiring someone who like does this for a living, working with artists and, and honing their work is that, you know, they're going to be that reality check. It, you know, if it's an right, experience, but, like the, but the deadline makes you say because it's never going to be good enough. I'm just going to tell you now. Oh, I see. Do you what see you're what saying. I'm saying? Yeah. It's never going to be. Good. And so <sighs> the deadline, and as as a as a person with a perceiving preference on the Myers Briggs, <laughs> um, deadlines help perceivers like get it wrapped. That 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 pressure of the deadline gives us the clarity to be like, okay, let's make these decisions, get this done, and get it out the door, right? Uh-huh. And I think. All creatives need to kind of tap into that strategy, right? Mm. Because we'll we'll keep going back. That's true. Until That's it's like your work becomes like Michael Jackson, right? right. And it just like keeps going back to the plastic surgeon. And like, oh, God. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it gets to this point where like now it's not even what it... What, what, now it's something totally different. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. We, we have to just... Yeah. Have the deadline say, okay, this is good enough, uh-huh. right? And and let it go be That was the, world. the thing that would drive me nuts when I was in graphic design school because I had a more practical viewpoint. I didn't really see it as like high art the way a lot of my peers and the teachers did. So they would like spend all this time like, oh, what if you change this? What if you did that? And I'm just sitting there going, guys, have you heard of a deadline? Like, you know, I... I came into graphic design through yearbook and newspaper and I was like get it close enough and publish it because we've got more another issue coming up right there's always more to do so like tapping tapping into that part of you and translating it over to the the writing is gonna be funny because I sort of associated that as that tendency to want to be a perfectionist about it is what sets apart the the people who approach it as art versus not, you know, because, um, I don't know. So I'll, I'll have to, cause I think, think it has a lot to do with the censor, you know, and a lot of the stuff that you do with the artist's way is aimed at getting around that censor. Right. So the perfectionist, the censor is the perfectionist. Yeah, the sensor is the one that shuts us down, mm-hmm. tells us it's not good enough, tells us we need to, you know, like mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So a lot of the activities are becoming aware of how of what the sensor says and how it works, oh, okay. and then developing practices to kind of put it to bed and get get moving on your work, right? Mm-hmm. So okay. the morning pages, so are are essential to that. That's one of the like foundational. That's practice. like three handwritten pages every morning. Every morning about anything, whatever. Basically. 
Right. Totally. So, um, and we've certainly had people in the group talking about like, yeah, two mornings this, this week, I like, you know, the, like my journal has lines, but I wrote so big that I took up like three lines. I'm like writing like a kindergartner and just so I can have it done. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, but it's, Mm. it's one of the foundational practices of the artist way. And part of the idea behind it is that if you're doing those three pages first thing in the morning, then you're like, right. You get this out Mm -hmm. and then close the book and go create something. Do you know what I'm saying? So, right. and we've got a couple of people in the group um, that have really struggled with the morning pages, right? Mm-hmm. One in particular freaking hates the morning pages, like with yeah. such an intense passion. But on our call this week, she had this great breakthrough because she realized that like the days that she didn't do the morning pages, her day started going south. Oh, really? Right. And so, like, things just started getting really negative, and it, you know, and so she, like, stopped and did her three pages, and the day picked back up and went the way that it needed to. Wow. So now she's seeing, like, the impact that it has. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, whatever, brush your teeth or whatever, like, you know, like, okay, it's terrible if I don't, so let me just go ahead and do it, you know? So, um, but it does get that, and I know for myself, one of the things that the morning pages have done is bring like spiritual discipline into my life. This is something that I've been wanting for a while. And of course my cat is going to start freaking out right now. But anyway, um, uh, I've been really wanting this for a while, right? And something that I have bemoaned with my coach, uh, I'm like, oh, I need more spiritual discipline. Well, do you really need spiritual discipline? What does that mean? No, 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 you know, right. like this kind of stuff. To, like, does that mean like meditating getting me off, or something? Right, or? like having... Um, right. Like that I'm meditating a certain amount. I love chanting. Chanting just does something for me. And so like, instead of it having it be a sometimes weekly thing, if I can get to the event on Saturday night, Mm -hmm. right. There's basically almost every Saturday night. You have to do it with other people. Is that the challenge with that one? Well, it's nicer with other people, but I have started just doing it like in my bedroom. So I have like a altar to the divine masculine and feminine in my bedroom and I got a desk so I have a desk in there because this was the thing that was happening like okay I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna do some writing and I'm gonna do some meditating and chanting and I'm, this is how I'm gonna start my day I get to set my own schedule so right, right. so <laughs> but like the things that happen from the time I leave my bedroom to the time I get to the desk right like Oh, well, let me just do this really fast. Oh, let me fill up the fountains. Oh, let me do this with the cats. Oh, let me... And then before I know it, it's lunch. Oh, right. Yeah. So, and then, and then I got to get going. So, um, but having the desk and I, when we moved here, I wanted a desk in my room and it didn't, it just didn't work out the way that I thought it was going to. Mm -hmm. Um, but now I've got a desk in there. So like I get up in the morning, I do come out and get a cup of coffee and then I go right back in. And I do my, my three morning pages and then I, you know, like scooch my little stool over in front of the altar and just sit in front of the altar and do, um, do some chanting. chanting. And I found, um, a CD at Changing Hands with Deva, I I can't remember her last name right now. I got a couple. I got one called Kabbalah Kirtan. So Kirtan is the Hindu chanting. That's what they Mm. call the practice. Um, the Sufis call it Dikr, right? So, um... But this is Kabbalah is the is the Ju- Judaic mysticism, mm-hmm. right? So 
so it's it's chanting with with Jewish phrases, right? Hmm. Hebrew Hebrew phrases that would be. So um, so I got a couple of these like chanting CDs and have them on my phone and Bluetooth it to my little thing and and sit with it with my beads and mm-hmm. eventually I'll know I'll know the phrases so well that I won't need, need. the CD. Yeah, yeah. but it's um, like. Chanting helps me clear my head. And so it was one of the things that I did um, in this sort of idea of like mental closet cleaning for this reading embargo that we have this week, right? Like um, chanting was really essential for me coming out of the depression um, because my head was going in these spirals and I couldn't stop the carousel, right? It was like the same two or three really horrible, terrible thoughts that just like stayed on this little loop and and burrowed this deep, deep, horrible hole in the ground mm. that I couldn't get out of. Right. And I kept trying to, like, pull my brain off this circular motion, and I couldn't. I couldn't. It just right. kept going in circles. So when I discovered chanting, then it was like, okay, you know what? If my brain's going to go in circles anyway, let me give it something good. To go oh, in a right. circle on. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So right? I'll just say chanting this... is repetitive. Right. right. So depending yeah. on the tradition, it's from ninety nine to one hundred and eight repetitions of a certain phrase, right? Mm-hmm. And okay. um and so the phrase can and you know, Catholics do it too with the rosary. The rosary is really long. Um so it's one of the longer ones, right? But a lot of them are one or two words, sometimes mm. three or four words, right? So um so yeah, so I would just since my head was going to stay in a circle anyway, let me give it something good to spin on. Right. And then then I'm spinning in a spiral up right. instead of spinning on a spiral down. And so I find that if I've done my chanting at the beginning of the day, then then my head will stay in that spiral. So instead of this little voice that, right. that, takes you down. that comes in, yeah. then this phrase will come in, right? Mm. And that'll be what's spinning on on the broken record in my head, which right. is fine. Yeah. Right? Like, totally like when fine. You get, like to when have you get this... a song stuck in your head that just exactly. yeah, keeps playing over and over in your head. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But if it's, you know, this Something really nice, positive. peaceful... <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so, so it's one of the things to sort of, like, keep the monkey mind busy. Mm-hmm. Right? So that, like, your real self can do what it needs to do, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, this, like, reading embargo, like, I did something very similar in Holland where I had, so I was doing, I, I did do chanting that helped me get out of things, but, like, I, other than the chanting, I didn't want any music with lyrics. Mm, right. Right? I didn't have a television. I mean, I did my master's work in media analysis, so I got rid of my television after... <laughs> After my thesis was done, like, yeah. okay, I got, I got to quit. Like I, I thought like, oh, well, I'm very aware of what I'm watching and you yeah. know what I mean? But, um, yeah, filters get dirty. And so I hadn't had a television anyway. Right. And so I was at this place where I just needed to just have silence. I needed to mm-hmm. clean out my head, you know? Yeah. And I remember, um, several years later being at my brother's house um, and a lot of my brother's recreational activities around mocking other people. Um, but so, so we were watching hoarders because they love to make fun of these people. And so we're sitting on the, and I had never seen it before. So uh-huh. we're sitting on the couch and it comes on and I'm looking at this woman's house 
And I was like, oh my God, that's what my head looks like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what my head looks like. Like, there's so much paper and files and piles and, you know. Yeah. And um, so so I still use hoarding. Like, when I'm stuck, mm-hmm. I, I will watch one of those shows. And it's always, like, the emotional issue underneath is always whatever I'm dealing with. It's kind of amazing how that works, right? So I'll watch one of the shows and be like, okay... You want to stay stuck? You want to, You don't want to let this idea go? You want to stay in this little place? This is what yeah. this looks like, sweetheart. Have a yeah. look. Is this where you want to be? You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, um, so I think that the reading embargo is to, like, clean out your mental closet, have some time where you're not hearing other people's voices so that your own voice has a chance to rise, right? It's like yeah. that creative voice is this very shy introvert. It has all these amazing things to say. Wow. But but (laughs) that must be why I have so many ideas. I was thinking this morning. Well, well, because then I said this first time you mentioned it is that like, well, if if not watching the news makes you have a clean mind, then my mind is clean all the time. (laughs) Because it's not just watching the news; it's any reading. Okay. It's any that's I mean that's what the reading embargo is all reading. Mm -hmm. It's not a news embargo, right? Does that include like watching? television shows and movies and things like that too yeah yeah so any external idea i have been spending like in the evening jason comes home (laughs) we cook dinner we go for a walk and then you know we'll watch like a show together before he goes to bed so but i do i mean you know turn it off once he goes to bed or whatever yeah so i've been cheating this i've totally been cheating and i have ducked onto facebook a couple of times like (laughs) i've totally been cheating but it has been enough enough to help yeah yeah. And one of the women on the call was talking about how um, not, like, getting on... She had she had fasted from Facebook the week before. Mm-hmm. So it's been really cool in the group mm-hmm. that we're sort of anticipating the chapters to come, right? right? Like, we'll be like, oh, really wrestling with the issue. And then you turn the page to the new chapter and like, oh, well, this is what we were talking about in the call this week. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. um, she had done a Facebook fast the week before and we had talked about cleaning out closets and clearing out space and Mm -hmm. just feeling this need to like get rid of old things and make space right well that's what i realized this morning with the ideas is i'm like you know i have so many ideas and i i feel kind of guilty that i'm not acting on all of them or writing all these books or blog posts or whatever and and then i finally realized you know i I don't need to implement all these ideas. Like, I can just pick a few of them and work on those and just let the rest go. Right. Yeah. Like, idea hoarding. Right, exactly. Totally. Yeah, I need to stop I know, there's been times, too, where I felt like... Because at the time, I'm like, that's such a great idea, oh my god! I know. You know, like that thing you find in the store. like a post office, right? Like, I used to... Because I'd have... So many ideas. There's no way, even if I was like the most productive person on the planet, which mm-hmm. I'm not, um, then even if I was the best producer manifester ever, I still would only do like a fraction of the ideas that come through me. Right. right. Yeah. And so, so I, uh, for a while I felt like, okay, well I need to, 
And I will. I'll meet people that are struggling with something, and I'll give them one of the ideas that I'd right. like, ooh, you can use this one, because right. they're beautiful ideas, and they need to be in the world. Right. Right? You're just not the person. But I don't have time to do all of right. it, right? Yeah. So I've even thought about, like... Setting up, hanging out a sign as a muse. Like, right. you know, you're block. Come, I got ideas, baby. You want ideas? Oh, I know, right? Let me give you some ideas, yeah. right? Like, that would be a great, like, meetup group. It's it would. Just, yeah. Because I have so many. Oh my same God, here. So yeah, many. I'm the same way. I'm like, I wish there was a website to just, like, give people my ideas, you know? I know. Did you, um, I think it was Elizabeth Gilbert who said, she had this interesting way of looking at ideas. She sort of... It's like they're they're things or they're like entities they that come entities. to you and they, they want, want you to be, to, be man- to manifest it. And a lot of them, you know, if you recognize I'm not the person to manifest this idea, you need to sort of say no to it and say thank you, but I'm not the right person for you and then release it to go find somebody else. Yeah. Which I thought that was and I've like used that a few times where I'm like, that is a great idea. And I'm not the person for that, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, she and she does, because I love the way she talks about our relationship with creativity and ideas, right? Like, but she's got an amazing story of how an idea transferred, because she had gotten an idea and started working on the idea and then shelved it mm. for like two years, right? And one of her friends ended up writing that book. Uh, but she had not talked to the friend about it. Right. They had not had a conversation about the idea. She had not wow. talked to her about, you know. And so... The and idea it, went to the friend because she wasn't doing anything with it. Yeah, right. exactly. And she was like, you know, I could get totally freaked out and paranoid and say she stole my idea or whatever. But, like, obviously she didn't because I didn't talk to her. Right. And she's like, you know, and I, and I realized, like, that idea needed to be born. And if I wasn't going to birth it then I need to release it to go be born somewhere else, right? Like, um, and the, uh, I don't know if this is an Arabic saying or an Islamic one, but there's, there's a saying about, um, like how it's basically an an abomination to tie a cat up and not feed it. Mm. Right. So the idea is if you're going to keep it, you have to take care of it. Right. (laughs) And if you're not going to take care of it, you got to let it go so it can take care of itself. Right. Right. Like, so, um, and I, I feel like we, we, we do this all the time on so many levels, right? We do it with people. We do it with ideas. We do, you know, like. Right. With stuff that we buy at the store and then never use. And exactly. I remember that was the one of the powerful things I got from the movie Toy Story 3, which is, you know, this idea of these toys that are, have no one to play with them. And even though they're like loyal to Andy and everything, but they want to be played with because that's what toys do. That's their purpose, right? That's what they're there for. They're there for children to play with them. And so it was so beautiful at the end, you know, when they get to go to this new girl who is now playing with them. And, um, and so, uh, you know, sometimes that when I look at my stuff, and I'm like, oh, my closet is getting really full, and I go, oh, but I might need that someday, even though I haven't, like, used it right. in two years, right? Totally. Then I'm like, but you know what? Why don't you just let it go be with let someone, someone else? someone that's going to need it right, right who needs now. needs it now, exactly. Totally. So that's how I sort of get through that not wanting to let go of things, whether it's a, a thing, a physical thing, or an idea, or something is like... You're not using it, you know, let it go somewhere else and be useful. Seriously. I just like 
literally pulled six boxes out of my closet of, and I finally found some like plus size stores that have clothes that it's in plus sizes. It's like, it's either like the sort of like goth, super tight, like hoochie mama clothes. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Or it's like old lady, you know, there's like nothing in between. (laughs) And I have this, like, I like long flowy feminine stuff. Right. So that doesn't seem to be, I I wasn't finding that anywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And to the point that I am like researching sewing machines. Wow. And so that you can get clothes that actually. Exactly. So, you know, when I was a little kid, my mom taught me how to sew when I was little, Mm -hmm. I made several things. (laughs) I wanted to be a fashion designer for oh. years. So this is one of the things that's come up with the artist way stuff too, right? Like, cause you think about all these things that you wanted to do when you were a kid and, um, and the way that the sensor shuts us down. So, um, so it's gotten to the point where like I wanted, I was like, okay, I need to just get, cause I bought all these cotton things for the summer. I'm just so fed up with being like light, airy summer dresses. You know what? If it's polyester, it is not a light, airy summer dress, right? <laughs> like yeah. it is Phoenix. You know, yeah. like if we're in monsoons, it's 115 degrees with 45% humidity. Like, yeah, I can only do natural, fi- right? If it's right. not silk, linen, or cotton, no, thank you, right? right. So, <laughs> so I bought all this stuff that was like, na- you know, like natural fibers. Well, it all looks like old lady stuff, right? <clears throat> so, so I need to do something to like shift it up or what a little bit, but. I have since found several plus size like clothing things that actually have the kind of clothes that I like, right? Uh-huh. So once I got a few pieces that are like, okay, this is me. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? This yeah. isn't just good enough or that's not bad. Right. Or it's, it's on clearance and it fits. Right. right? <laughs> um, like, yeah. this is my style of clothing. And so yeah. once I get stuff on, then I'm like, okay, this is really me. This is how I, this is, this is it. Then I like started looking through my closet and was like, okay, this is totally like, it was on clearance and it fit. Right. This is totally, it was on clearance and it fit. This now is you totally- have a new standard for everything in your closet. <laughs> totally. <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> so I pulled six boxes of clothes wow. Holy cow. out of my closet after kind of going through this process. Right. Yeah. So, um, and getting, getting that stuff clear and being able to like, it's, it's strange, isn't it? How it's sometimes it's not until we've had an experience with the thing that really fits. Mm hmm. That we recognize the things that don't. Right. Yeah. Right? Before that, we're like, no, this is cool. Like, yeah, I like that. I was like that with bras. Because I outgrew the bras that they carry in retail stores. But I didn't realize this. So I was wearing stuff that was like, well, you know, it doesn't hurt for the first couple of hours. I know, know, right? I don't, you know. Now I can get to lunch until. Yeah. I I know. I've gone to, I wear these like little bralette things now. And I also, in that cleaning out, a whole box of bras. I have no more underwire bras Mm. in my, in my drawer. It was like, okay, I'm done with this. I am so done with yeah this. at a certain point it just isn't doable yeah yeah i'm a i'm almost at that point now because i gained a little weight so i'm like i'm like oh i'm bordering on soft cup territory yeah <laughs> and- this is like beyond this isn't even soft cup soft cup <laughs> is like too strong i mean i do have some soft cups in there but like right. these are like 
like sports bra bralette okay. things. Gotcha. Like yeah. they they're not racerbacks and mm-hmm. they have s- small straps or whatever. But so you know the girls are hanging a little lower, but <laughs> at least I'm not like dying by four o'clock in the afternoon. Right. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, once you find something that fits, you know, like in my case, once I, it was when I, um, was pregnant with my first child and went to a maternity bra store and they fit me and they're like, Oh, you're this, uh, I was like a G or an H or something oh already God. at that point. And they're like, and I've been wearing like double D's and stuff because that's the highest that's size the highest that goes. they, the regular stores carry in my band size. So, um, so yeah, once I found stuff that was fit, fit, I was like, I can wear a bra all day without it hurting. What? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it was great. And then it was like, oh, I'm not wearing any of those other things. Get rid of those. No, it's true. Like right. we just started accepting these certain things, right? We don't know so, there's something better. Exactly. Right. Okay, so um, I have been having this uh, Facebook embargo this week, for the most part. Uh, And the few times that I have ducked on, I have gotten off really, really quickly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because it's interesting. I only have to get away for a little while to see, like, wow. Yeah, you know? And so, um, but when I would duck on, it would be to post something on, on my business page or... Um, to check the Artist Way page or the, the Chakra Class page um, or my Sacred Artist page or my Shamanism page that are like my the teaching I'm receiving, right? Right. Um, so someone had posted this on the Sacred Artist page that Bree Saucy heads up. Um, and it's a, it's called Thoughts on Thorns. It's from a, a blog called Herbcraft. So herbcraft.org. And I just thought this was so powerful um, and there's probably a lot of folks that could use this understanding right now because there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. And it's funny because this Facebook embargo, um, Catherine Metcalf had done a transit chart for me. So she's an astrologer and there are these different like transits, right? So like the, you know, these, these planets will be moving in these different places and they, you know, it's it's like is emotional. Is that when people say like so and such and such is in this house or whatever, right. or like that kind of thing? And depending on what your chart is, that'll impact you in different ways, right? So mm-hmm. it's I see it as a like emotional forecast. Okay. Right. I'm not going to go mm. for a picnic on a day when there's like a sixty or seventy percent chance of rain. Right. Right. So it's the same kind of thing. Like right. it's not a guarantee. It's not a prediction, but it's a. It's like this forecast. is what the weather's going to look like. So dress accordingly. Right. Okay. That's gotcha. how I see it. And right. so um, this week just passed. It was pretty awesome because I had lay low. And so I don't know. It, like so, I know somebody is training somebody. Like there's some kind of thing going on. But and we're in a space. But we were in a space between two eclipses, and it's equinox. And right. So there's a lot of really heavy energy going on and she had said like that week is going to be fraught with like conflict and like it can be explosive violence like you know it's like a really uh volatile energy okay so just and that was this past week this is week just passed okay so i had lay low and like capital letters all (laughs) the way across my calendar um and so when we got to artist way and it was like just you know, do a reading embargo. I was like, 
Excellent, because I needed to yes. do that anyway, right? Right. So um, when I when I one of the places I went on though, I found this um, this blog post and I wanted to share it. Um, and so she tells this story. I'm going to start reading now. For so this is from herbcraft.org. Several years ago, I found myself lost in a state wildlife refuge east of Lansing. The trails themselves were of the spilled spaghetti variety, with no rhyme or reason to their courses, but I had been well off trail for some time. Dusk had come and gone, and it was pretty damn dark when I found myself thoroughly ensnared in a briar patch. I should say that I wasn't just snagged. I'd gotten snagged, twisted, gotten snagged in another place, pulled back, and realized that I was pretty well stuck and I'd better stop moving around until I could get a grip on exactly where I was and exactly how best to find my way out. As soon as I became still, I realized that this was thorn medicine. I'd gotten into something uncomfortable, and my first reaction was to pull away and get out. The thorns were telling me that before I could do that, I needed to be conscious of what I'd gotten into and conscious of how I stepped myself away from it. If I were to just turn and run, as I had, I'd only find myself more deeply entangled, and even if I forced my way out, I'd be likely to be scratched up and down, and we've all heard enough fairy tales to know what can come of that. So to get out, I needed to say, okay, I'm hooked here, and this is the branch that's got me coming from back around here, and I'll carefully unhook this branch and then move on to the next and repeat as necessary until extricated. The practice of carefully dislodging each of those brambles one at a time was really rather intimate. I had to be in relationship with each thorny cane and gently remove it in a way that not only didn't hurt me, but also didn't hurt it. I've thought lots of about thorns since that day and their medicine. They are all awareness medicines, but each has their specifics and subtleties. So, and then from there, she talks about like different thorns. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but I just wanted to like put that idea out there, right? Because I think these are definitely very thorny times. Right. And, um, and we have this like, ah! response you know we get caught and stuff and so I just thought that was such a powerful post about like that the thorns are teaching us not just like to be careful where we're walking so we don't get stuck Mm -hmm. but to be careful how we get out again I thought that was so powerful for where we are right now yeah you know yeah and um it kind of reminded me a little bit um, of like going through a divorce and mm. right. Getting yourself or really getting yourself out of any relationship, yeah, whether it's true. a marriage or even whether it's romantic or not, it's like once you're in it, you know, your instinct may be to just sort of like, I'm out of here, you know, right. <laughs> but it's often not that easy to just bolt, you know, and right. there's a lot of Well, we we know how we feel about the people that do just bolt, (laughs) right? I mean, that's like always, divorces are always difficult anyway, Mm -hmm. but you know, if you've got everyone at least knows a story of someone that said they were going to go get a pack of cigarettes and never came back, like, Mm. you know, that, that, that leaves a carnage behind, you know? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of different situations where it's easy for us to see that, being conscious how we leave 
um, is is equally important or maybe even more. Because, you know, sometimes it is dark and you're lost and you find yourself in a bramble. I right. Mean, um, and in some ways, uh, and, you know, those with night vision, right, the, mm-hmm. the owls among us were like, oh, I totally saw and I hooted and I tried to tell you and you kept walking anyway. Right. You know, like, <laughs> but, but I think, like, yeah. as a... As a as a nation, as a planet, even because I don't I don't know of any place right now that hasn't got itself stuck in a bramble. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. We're all stuck in a bramble right now. So, like, how how to? And I think some sometimes two people take the approach of well, I'm just going to sit here until someone else gets me out of the mm. briar patch, and um, uh. And you know that, well, one, you can be waiting for a long time. And then two, you know, sometimes there's a price to pay for getting that help. And mm. so being able to get yourself out and... Even know, if somebody pushed you into the bramble bush. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you really <laughs> want the person that pushed you into the bramble bush to be the one that gets you out? Right. <laughs> oh, you really be any safer. Mm. <laughs> Okay, um, so in my week of not being on Facebook, I found another article on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> in my week of not reading. Um, so uh, this one, although uh, to be fair, I found this one last night. So last night I was like, okay, you know, I've been off like for the work week. Right. I'm going to go back on for a second. Um so this one is on a blog called Rebel Society. So it's like rebel spelled in a feminine French way. Um, mm. So we'll have the links on this on the on the show notes. Um, Fall Equinox brings Kali and the burning of the old self is the name of the article. So Fall Equinox was Thursday, right? right? And this is the time when the, the light and the shadow are completely equal. Right. Um, it is also you can also balance an egg on its head at the exact moment of equinox. Oh no way! Which is pretty I cool. Try that. Yeah, total Dang. like junior high, high I'll school have to do physics that in experiment. The yeah, so <laughs> put the spring on and like do it with the boys. They'll love it. Um, yeah. So I forgot to do it because I I didn't see what the exact moment of equinox was. So I told and you. Is, and is that when you you have to put it up or just you put it either way? Because normally. It'll tilt to one side if you just normally it'll lay it on its side, uh-huh. but it'll stay up. Oh, so like okay, long ways. Yeah, okay, it'll stay wow. Up. It's pretty. Oh. It's pretty trippy. It's like <laughs> it's pretty trippy. It's really cool. So um, yeah, so it was time for fall equinox, and um, so I thought this article was really fantastic. I went to lunch yesterday uh, with a new friend that I met through um, Tracy Dizier has the Authentic Women's Exchange, right? Um, so, uh, I hosted the book club when we were talking about Brene Brown's Rising Strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the ladies that was there was like, well, Tracy just has all these amazing souls that are in her orbit. Um, but I really, really connected to, to one of the women that was there. So we had lunch yesterday and we were talking about some of this stuff, um, because we're both very bold women. We're both the kind of women that get told often that we're intimidating Mm. And um, and it's interesting because I've had a couple conversations about this this week. Sort of like, yeah, but that's not my problem, right? Like, if other people are intimidated, then... That's them. 
that's their thing. Right. Right. Exactly. And so the conversation at lunch yesterday was like, okay, well, what are the ways that I contribute to that or that I don't give people space? Right. So I do mm. need to give, and, um, I do need to give people space and kind of like when people are sing- someone's singing and when they're about to like really belt out a note, they'll like move their mic away, the microphone away from their mouth a little bit. So it's not like. So overpowering like, right, right that exactly. same kind of thing so recognizing these kind of spaces right while not taking more responsibility than i need to gotcha okay yeah right. that makes sense because we had another like friend. here's what's my i can consider within my responsibility and then kind of the rest is exactly that. right so and like the conversation we'd had earlier this week was with a friend of ours that's single and so i don't know she said some of these like oh but men are too intimidated i'm like Whatever. You need right. to not listen to the people that are spouting that nonsense because right. obviously, right, the I'm in this amazing the, right. relationship with this great guy that actually loves that. Yeah. Right? Like, that is a turn-on for him when I'm in my power. Right. There are men out there that... that so, if I can find someone, like, right. anyone can find someone. <laughs> Come on, guys. Let's get it together. So, um, so, I was like, I just, I don't accept that at all. But then the conversation at lunch was a little more nuanced about, like, okay, well, where are the spaces where um, uh, where we're not being conscious of our impact or mm-hmm. where we're not giving people space or, do you know what I mean? Like, right. this kind of stuff. Um, and we were talking about within a Christian frame. And so, like, the church... Because this woman identifies as a Christian, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, and I, and so I was like, you know, I think there's a big difference between who Jesus was and what he taught, and what the church says. Oh yeah, I agree. <laughs> right, absolutely. Because like, Jesus was not like a little sweetie pie, right? You know, and especially when we were talking about like religious established order, mm-hmm. he never had a nice word. I mean, this dude knew how to late talk about drop the mic, like. Jesus started drop the mic. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like he would just like, oh, you who polish the outside of your cup and leave the inside filthy. Like this is the kind of zingers he threw out, right? You know, at the <laughs> they established religious order. So um, this is not someone that was all sweet to everybody all the time, right? Like right. he was, he loved the unloved. So the people that society found no problem spitting on, those were the people he championed and were really kind to, right? Mm-hmm. But the people that everyone else bowed down to him was like, oh, yes, sir, yes, sir. He's like, oh, you can whip that dookie wind. I'm not going <laughs> to. So, you know, so we had that conversation yesterday. Yeah. And um, and then I found this article about Kali. So, What's um, Kali? So Kali is a Hindu goddess um, of life and death, actually. She's oh, the mother I and the destroyer. That. I love that. She's a life, life, life <laughs> goddess. Most people focus on the death aspect. So usually uh. when you see representations of her, it's her, like, eating babies, dancing on skulls, right? Oh, geez. So right. it's intense. I mean, Kali's intense, right? Okay. So, but this article, I think, is really, really beautiful. Um, so, all right. I feel like I should warn you. There is a fierce feminine fire building. It is Kali Ma-like creator and destroyer. Burner of all that must go so that life can give birth to life. She is the wolf woman coming, hard and strong, and asking you for more than you want to give, but only because she loves you. She knows that your greatest self can only rise from the ashes of the lesser you. Kali means dark mother or black one. She is most often depicted in her destructive form, a bloodthirsty goddess, killer of Shiva and eater of babies, the demon goddess, the goddess of death. But Kali is more than that. 
She's not just ruler of death, but of life too. The early tantric texts identify Kali as mother, the primary and primordial creator, the womb of the universe. All things rise from her and disappear again into her, endless cycles of birth and death, creation and destruction. Kali is Om. She is Shakti. She is existence. Understanding destruction as an exquisite and essential element of life, this is not the tender feminine. This is tough love to the core. This is purification by fire. In the Encyclopedia of Myths, Barbara Walker tells us that tantric worshippers of Kali thought it essential to face her curse, the terror of death, as willingly as they accepted blessings from her beautiful, nurturing maternal aspect. For them, wisdom meant learning that no coin only has one side, as death can't exist without life, so also life can't exist without death. And so you must do the same. Have the courage and endurance to face what must die in you, and the rewards will be unparalleled. I met this energy fullest in Peru last year, in ayahuasca, the mother vine. Never have I experienced such annihilation or such great love. She taught me many things, among which was the importance of labor pain and the sacrifice we make for our children, whether they be of blood and bone or another structure. It's no coincidence that so many people are having babies right now. We, especially women, are being asked to understand this role, both submission to the larger forces, to the archetype of the fierce goddess, and our power as an active participant in the destruction and rebirthing that happens in our individual lives. There is change coming, sacrifice that needs to be made. This is not new, it's been happening all year, but it's not done. And it hasn't demanded this much from you yet. So be ready. Maybe you'll want to think about where your loyalty lies so that you don't get caught off guard when it hits. Is it your ego's will or with your soul that is your destiny? What are you willing to give for that? Those who've already done a lot of work this year may find that she's not too rough, but if you've been avoiding your work or avoiding it in specific areas, get ready to be called out. Prepare. Nurture yourself. Do some internal house cleaning. Know what and who supports you and have them close. Most of all, breathe. Trust. It's all for the highest good. And there's a little poem here at the end. If you prefer smoke over fire, then get up now and leave. For I do not intend to perfume your mind's clothing with more sooty knowledge. No, I have something else in mind. Today I hold a flame in my left hand and a sword in my right. There will be no damage control today. For God is in a mood to plunder your riches and fling you nakedly into such breathtaking poverty that all that will be left of you will be a tendency to shine. So don't just sit around this flame choking on your mind, for this is no campfire song to mindlessly mantra yourself to sleep with. Jump now into the space between thoughts and exit this dream before I burn the damn place down. From mm. Adyashanti. <laughs> wow. I know, right? I never realized last night. I was like, okay. Oh, I, I, let me do some more writing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. Yeah. Um, wow. 
I don't even know like where to go with that. <laughs> it's really, really powerful. I felt like really called on the carpet. Um, I had a reaction to something I ate last weekend and it was more, um, the effects were more mental than they were physical. Right. Mm. So, um, it sent me into this like spin out. And so I definitely, and I breathe, breathing was the way that I got through, right? Breathing in lots of water, um, and being very still, um, was the way that I got through it. But it was really interesting to see the things that came up, right? Because it would be really easy to dismiss it as, oh, that was a reaction. Right. So. But it was was just physical, you mean? Like, oh, I right. knew something, it didn't agree with me. And, and so now I don't right. need to, like, oh, that was weird. Let me mm-hmm. not think about it again. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, and I, I told Jason, like, the stuff that came up came from inside me. Like, right. Right? Like, it, it, it pulled the lid off something and let this stuff out. And so I feel like I need to pay attention to what came out. Like, yeah. yes, I need to stay away from that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Obviously, that doesn't agree with me, but like, but I, I, I also felt like I needed to pay attention to what came out. And the breathing I did, the trusting I did not, right? The trust mm. was something that um, that I found really difficult. And it was really interesting because uh, I was really terrified to go to take my attention into my body. Mm. Even though that's, like, that's the core of what I teach, Right. But I was in this space where I was really scared to go into my body. And, of course, my head was not a safe place at all. Oh, my gosh. I had a similar kind of thing yesterday where, well, different, but but it was with that same thing with going within um, where... I I was thinking about sort of the, when you're writing and doing you know creative work, writing a story. There's there's the conceptual stuff where you're it's more mind based, where you're doing the plot, you're figuring out you know what the theme is, what you're trying to say, and and you know what kind of character development you want. So it's but it's something you think about, right? And right. then there's the writing you do where it's just like downloading from the universe, right? Tapping into your muse or whatever it is that needs to come out. Like so it's being intuitive. The skin of right. Characters, right, really. exactly. Yeah. And so and so it's interesting because in the um uh in both literary and then also with like screenwriting and things like that, there there are people who think that one is better than the other. Like there are people who are like, oh no, you need to plot everything out and you can't just write random stuff and then there are the other people who idolize sort of that intuitive writing sort of thing and um and I was realizing well there's a there's a value to both of those right and um and that but that I spend most of my time doing the conceptual stuff because that's where I'm more comfortable um and and I was like yeah you know the thing about intuitive writing is it's sort of like like you're standing at the mouth of this cave mm. and it's dark and there's, you know, there's treasure in the right. cave. So you want to go into the cave to get the treasure. There's a rustling. But... There's a glint, <laughs> but is it the eye of a predator or is it right. the treasure it's, you seek? Exactly. Yeah. It's like there could be, it's like, well, yeah, there could be treasure in there, but there could also be monsters and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. rocks mm-hmm. to bang your head into and all this kind of stuff. So it's when you, when you were saying that just now, it reminded me of that same sort of feeling of, 
uh, I'm not sure I want to go in there. <laughs> yeah. I know yeah. I should and I need to, but I really don't want to. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, really that line where it's like, is it with your ego's will or your destiny that you're aligned? Mm. You know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, like, I, I, that, so the, Jung t- calls this the dark feminine, right? And it is like the the episode that we did on the gender wheel, mm-hmm. right? That's the east. It's the void. Okay, right. So that, everything goes into when it dies and comes out of when it's yeah, birthed, exactly. Right? It is everything and nothing, right? Right. So like the biggest part of managing the void is our reaction to the void, right? Because it's all these emotions that we have standing at the edge of the void that actually cause the problem. Because the void itself. Mm. Is you neutral. can pull right, right exactly you can pull whatever you're focused on out of there and i think we did talk about in the the episode on the gender wheel um that cuz that concept always makes me think of that first book in narnia mm, lion the witch in the wardrobe no that's the second book um that's right is, they reordered it lion the witch in the wardrobe was the first one that was written but it's not chronologically the first one and so they've now reordered the series so the the first book is the one that okay. is chronologically the first um, one. Yeah, because there's like a prequel one that it was actually yeah. published so this later the pre- in the yeah, series. Yeah, so this is the prequel. Which um, one was that? Is that I don't remember the name. Like I've the got silver it on chair. The shelf, got it. No, the silver chair is almost at the end. Um, some somebody is it somebody's nephew? Anyway, the magician's nephew. Yes. Okay, that's where he I goes back a- in time, nasty, and lets out the queen. I don't know about that. Okay. I just, so it's been, <laughs> what, 15 years since I read these, you oh, know okay. what I mean? Right. The last time. Um, but uh, I just know in that first book, mm-hmm. there's a scene at the end where there's all these little puddles that they're jumping into. Yeah. To right. go between worlds. Right. And then they jump into one and there's nothing. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. The, you told me this story. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So we talked about it the last one. And so the cabbie starts singing a hymn. And when the cabbie starts singing a hymn, then the sun comes up and this beautiful landscape starts happening. And then Aslan oh. comes over the corner. And that's when they okay. meet Aslan the first time. Okay, so, gotcha. so in that space, had they freaked out about the dark, they well, they would have created that too. Right. Right. They were yeah. in a space of creation. So whatever emotion they threw into the void, the void was going to give back to them. Right. Right. So, yeah. um, and that is really the essence of the dark feminine. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and that, that the way that Kali and her archetype sort of manifests that is also one of the roles of the, as the dark feminine is to pull away the things that are not working for us. Mm-hmm. Right. Because to make room for the new stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So like the most powerful archetypes are going to be these light and it's usually, it's usually women because we're the, we're the life givers, right? Mm-hmm. We are the portals to human life on this planet. So um, so the life, death, life are the most powerful archetypes mm-hmm. and, and to really get the full understanding and power of the archetype, you've got to understand that life, death, life cycle, right? So like gardeners know things have to be pruned in order to grow, right? Right. You've got it before you can put in the new beds, you have to pull out the ro- the roots from the old beds and turn the soil completely over. And mm-hmm. right. There's all these things that have to happen before the new life can come. So, uh, and we're, we're in that space now, right? So within the tarot, the tower represents that the tower is like all these structures falling, 
so that the new things can be birthed afterwards, right? Then you start getting into the really powerful, like, the tarot, the major arcana. Those 21 cards are really, like, a chronicling of spiritual development, right? So the tower comes right in the middle, basically, and that's when all all the structures are falling. So the cards are usually very scary if you look at the card, you know, it's like this tumbling tower and there's like lightning bolts and falling rocks and fire and all, you know, it's a very scary looking card. Um, but it, it represents the way that things need to be cleaned out and cleared out to start this new awakening and development. Right. Right. So, um, and we've been like this whole episode, we've been kind of talking about these things, right? Like, Mm -hmm recognizing that we need to be conscious of how we get out of things just as we, you know, regardless of how we got into them, cleaning out our mental closets, cleaning out our physical closets, like, um, and really focusing on, because I think it's, um, it's really easy, especially now, it's so easy to look outside and just judge other people. Right. Because people are doing stuff that's so easy to judge right now. Yeah. And, um, last night, uh, I so we were watching Nurse Jackie. Um, and it was the end of is it first season or second season? Um, I haven't seen that one yet. Okay, so um, she has become addicted to pain meds, right? And it's starting to get out of hand. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And um, and so it was interesting for me to watch the way that she attacks people when they start getting close to her secret. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so it gives me lots of like, oh my God, that used to happen to me all the time when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> wow. So whenever I was like speaking truth or getting real, like, oh, the fires that would rain upon me. Do you know right. what I mean? Just shut it down. Yeah, right. totally. So, um, so I, I wanted to like keep binging and Jason, I was like, can I just like keep watching and you like catch up on the episodes? Like while I'm in San Francisco next week, he's like, no. God, you never let me have any fun. And so, um, so I watched two Russell Brand documentaries after that because Intervention isn't on Netflix anymore. So, um, so I watched these Russell Brand things and then I spent some time writing about judgment and, um, and I realized that, so there's a verse in the New Testament, judge not lest you be judged, Mm -hmm. right? And I realized that when I'm judging others, I'm feeding the thing that judges me. Right. Right? Like, not only am I not doing my own work, I mean, what a wonderful distraction to judge, to judge others right. instead of looking at my own damn self, right? right. Like, <laughs> what a wonderful distraction. And there is so much now. Right. Oh, there's so much. Like. Yeah. I could, I could have a judging holiday. Like I could just like all I could, it's a judging smorgasbord out there right now. Like no matter who you are and where you are, there's, I mean, you know, like it's almost like the, the two minute hate from 1984, George Orwell's like social media is everybody's individual two minute hate, right? Everyone's got their own person, their own whatever, that they see an image of and it just immediately elicits all this like, ah, right, right. right? It's like foaming (laughs) anger and judgment and self-righteousness and, you know, it's so easy. It's so easy 
But I, I recognized last night as I was reading, like me judging others not only keeps me from, it, it, it means I'm not doing my own work because I can't do their work and my work. I'm doing somebody's work. So not only does it keep me from that place, but I'm feeding the thing that judges me, right? Mm-hmm. And that um, like being concerned about judgment because that was part of this reaction that I had last weekend, right? Like, judgment was a big part of it. And I I realized, like... Judging others or self-judgment? Self, feeling, feeling judged. Oh, okay, by others, gotcha. Right, really feeling judged by others. And um, not only is it part of a reaction, but then, like, I, I missed... Like, Gloria Steinem was last weekend, and I missed the thing, because I was in the throes of this reaction. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, then I'm worried that other people are, like mad at me because I was like, Hey, let's all do this thing. And then I'm not going and do you know what I mean? Like all this kind of stuff. So, and I recognized that, um, like I used to, when I drank a lot, it was to, so I wouldn't feel other people's judgment. Mm. Right. It's, it's hard. It's like a numbing agent. Kind yeah. Of, right. It, yeah. It's hard to be me in Memphis, Tennessee. Like, that's not an environment that supports me right? <laughs> on yeah. pretty much any level, right? <laughs> like, I'm really glad I'm from there. It was really good soil to start in, but, um, but it wasn't a supportive place for me. And for lots of my, my schoolmates, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're scattered all over the place. So, um, uh, so when I drank a lot, it was to sort of numb that feeling of judgment. And I realized last night, like, the judgment of others doesn't mean much if I don't agree with it. Yeah. It's right. really agreeing with it that gives it That's power. the problem. Right. That's the actual problem. Yeah. Is me thinking they're kind of right. Yeah. You know? And, like, realizing that um, if I'm... Uh, and, and seeing the ways that this, like, my fundamentalist upbringing, right, like, continues to play into these deep subconscious ideas that I have... That if there is any fault to be found in me, then I'm irredeemable, right? Mm. If you start telling me my faults, I can't defend myself because they're there. Right. I can't deny it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's it's one of the things that's interesting because I, I realize, like, because watching Nurse Jackie, oh, she's, like, anyone that comes at her with a thought, like, she will attack full on or do the subterfuge to get them in trouble so that they don't have a voice anymore or you know what Mm. I mean like so I recognize that my the thing that makes me feel vulnerable to it because I can't it's like yeah you start listing my faults and I can't deny them they're there there's lots of them (laughs) do you know what I mean yeah I have a whole collection and um but the the recognition that they're there is my redemption. And being okay with them being there. Right. Yeah. Because the... the Loving reco- yourself anyway. Yeah. And the recognition opens the door to shift them. Right? Yeah. Because the real problem is us refusing to see it. Yeah. Because then we're never going to change it. But if I'm if I'm like, yeah, that's there. Right? Right. Like, then, then there's possibility for change. Um... But but recognizing that that yeah it's me agreeing with the judgment and the way that my judgment of others feeds the thing that judges me 
right? Like my judgment of others stems from my judgment of me. So if I'm judging others, mm. then... And then they judge you back and... Yeah, right, well, there's that thing, like, cycle. and that's what I grew up with, right? right? was like all this judgment coming towards me and then I got to this plate for, you know, I spent a long time going, oh God, well, I mean, you're a little kid, you so you don't differentiate, right? right? But then, like, as I got older, was like, oh, you think I'm bad? Let yeah. me tell me how bad you are, right? right. Like, <laughs> so that was my defense mechanism. Defense, right. And that's why a lot of times, you know, judgment doesn't really work. I mean, sometimes, you know, we can be under the illusion that, oh, if I point out this person's flaws to them, they'll change and and it'll help them. But usually all that happens is they just go to defend themselves. But But that's different than accepting your flaws and... Which is, it's, you know, defensive is just like, no, there's nothing wrong with me. What are you talking about? You know, as opposed to saying, oh yeah, I see that that's there. Um, you know, and, and I can still love myself and I can choose to do something about that if I want to, but that's really, you know, I learned a long time ago that, you know, you, you really can't change people. Like Mm -hmm. you can point things out to them, but it's really up to them. To make the change. Right. And so I've shifted to, as much as humanly possible anyway, um, pointing things out in a way, removing the judgment as much as possible. You know, even just from tone of voice, you know, the way you say something to someone or how you phrase it can move it from being a judgment and an accusation to just a statement of a Right, an accountability. Right, yeah. And you can... Um, especially I found with my kids, it's just been uh, so much better for our relationships to be able to say things in a way that is without the judgment. And behind that is, and I love you anyway, you know, like, oh, you did this. And that doesn't mean I don't love you or I don't like you or you're not good enough. It, you know, I would just like you to, you know, not leave your clothes on the floor, you know, whatever, (laughs) like, like uh, just even little things like that. No, it's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the one of the keys is first of all recognizing that if we're judging someone else, that that is our own shadow that is walking around in the world, right? So the thing that we judge because we're oh that right? we judge other people most for is the thing that we are. That's the key to our ourselves. shadow, right? Because mm. the stuff that we're judging other people for are the things of ourselves that we've rejected. Ooh, I'll have to. Think about that. Hmm. Yeah. Like I'm saying, I mean, there's enough work to be done, you know what I mean? Without like trying to do other people's work for them. But like, yeah. So that's one of the places that we can see what's in the shadow or see where the shadow is. Right. Because our, our judgments of other people are the places of ourselves that we've rejected and don't, don't want to look at, don't want to embrace, don't want to admit that we have there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, so so finding, and that's one of the things that we do like all the time on this podcast, right? Is like finding the way to flip those things back in and find, okay, how is that reflecting me? Where am I doing that? And it doesn't yeah. have to be like, you know, sometimes it's the metaphorical way that we're doing these things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I was, um, there was a, a article, a blog post that I posted to the kitchen table alchemy 
site, and I'm not sure if you saw it on Facebook. Um, maybe not since you're on your hiatus. Yeah. But um, it was this uh, great blog post that went viral um, by Sarah Benincasa, I think is her name, and it was about um, why I'm so fat. And it was someone had someone had wrote to her like just on a blog comment or something like, "Why have you gotten so fat?" And she responds with this thing of, "Well, let me tell you why." And and it was very like it was sarcastic but very honest too. Um, and it was um, it's like, well, you know, this is why I am, you know, what I am. But you know what? I'm okay with that because I still love my body and guys still want to date me. And um, it was it uh, it was just really interesting how it was sort of like um, it was like I, I love myself, you know, despite the fact that I, you know, don't meet whatever this other person's image is of right, what right, I'm right, supposed right, right. to look like. And it was it was sort of like. It was like a comeback, but it wasn't like the usual comebacks, which are trying to um, denigrate the person who said the mean thing. It was it was like the most empowered comeback right. <laughs> response I've seen. It was it was really interesting, and um, so yeah. So if you haven't read that yet, okay, you I should check it. Look. You would definitely Love appreciate it. it. Sure. It's right up your alley. Oh yeah. yeah. No, totally. That's why I wrote, posted on Kitchen Table Alchemy Facebook group because I'm like, oh, Jacqueline, I love this. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I don't think I saw it. Like, I, I mean, I have that because when it comes to my, there's no denying that I'm a big girl, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and you eat healthy and everything, so yeah, it's not totally. like you're letting yourself go or yeah, something. Yeah, there are no Doritos in this cupboard behind me. <laughs> yeah, there are no Doritos, there are no cookies, there are no, you know, so um, sitting here with my kale smoothie, like, yeah, it's just, it is what it is, right? Uh-huh. So, um, and I'm always, you know, I have this like push and pull between feeling like there's something wrong that I need to fix. Yeah. And that the weight is the demonstration that something is wrong. Oh, right. And... Um, and just being like, maybe there's nothing wrong and this is just what it is. Yeah. Right. Um, and so finding out that like, um, deeply empathic people often carry extra weight as an energetic shield. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, so that would make sense. So, so then my focus has gone to, um, like feeling safe in the world and finding other ways to protect myself oh, so that my right. body doesn't feel the need to, right to, to put extra. extra. I've wondered that too because I've um, gained weight over the last year, and um, actually it's been slowly for the last few years. But um, and I've been kind of on that same sort of sort of mind wheel of well, is it just because I'm just eating too much, or is it because uh, there's some emotional baggage or some kind of clearing that I need to do, or I'm not you know following my purpose or something like that? So. Um, and so I was kind of, metabolism is, yeah. right. So I was sort of on that, that wheel, that mental wheel, well, which is it, you know, what's yeah. really causing this. And, and then when I read that, um, that blog post, um, it just, the way that she so just like, you could tell she really did love her body and she loved who she was. And she had some cool photos where, where she like pose in these kind of sexy, you know, um, I mean, it was classy, but it was also kind of yeah. sensual. And, and so, um, it, it just made me, it kind of settled things. 
in my head, you know, kind of talking about what we said earlier about sort of clearing the mental clutter. And I was like, you know, I still would like to, you know, go to that weight that I was at a few years ago that was a a healthier weight, more comfortable uh, weight. But, um, but I, you know, I can also at the same time just enjoy being right. in the body that well, I'm in I right now. Well, and I think if the, if the focus is being, um, feeling v- like the, feeling the vitality in our bodies, feeling comfortable in our bodies, feeling right. Like that's a very different focus. Yeah. So, um, cause well, I also I would like to feel more vital and yeah. more comfortable because I've also put on a little bit this this year, and I'm realizing I've also pulled myself out of several situations where I'm realizing I my body was putting on weight because I was in situations where I wasn't oh. really safe. Right. Yeah. And I was ignoring that I wasn't really safe because there was something I wanted to get out of that situation. So the trade off was my body was like, all right, that's fine, but here's okay. what we're going to do to compensate. You right. know. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I've pulled myself out of those situations and. Um, but it, if, if the focus is being comfortable and feeling vital, yeah. then, then if I'm doing things that make me feel vital and comfortable and that's, that inner sensation is what I'm focusing on, right? Right. That's very different from, I'm now going to hire a trainer and do this diet. And if I don't lose inches in weight, I'm going to quit because I, do right. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, well, and that's what I did too, after I, I was working through this. Because when I read that article, I just started a diet, like, the day before, um, and which basically just meant eating less, you know, um, and and it was not going well. <laughs> like, I was really unhappy with it and everything, like, after a day, right? I'm, I'm terrible at well dieting. I'm, t- I'm, a ter- I'm the world's worst dieter. But anyway... So I realized I just don't have like the discipline to do it. It's but, probably a good thing. Well, well, yeah. Well, I've never done the fad diets, thank goodness. But right, but yeah. I a, after I read that um, article, I was like, okay, well, what is it that? Why do I want to lose weight? You know, what is it that I think I'm going to gain by getting to this lower weight? And so I made a list of, well, you know then, you know, I'll be able to wear those clothes that I have sitting in my closet that are a size or two smaller that I love that are perfect and I right. look beautiful. Which I also and, needed to clean right? those out too. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. let's just accept that this does not fit me right now. Yeah. And someone else it does fit. Yeah. And I'm and not going to have it in my closet as a reminder of, here's all the things you can't wear right now. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Um, and, uh. Yeah, and I don't feel like I need to do that in my case, but um, but then yeah, so it was things like oh, because I want to be um, you know attractive, and I want to you know be more comfortable in you know wearing my bras and stuff because those, like we said earlier, not fitting right anyway. So it was it was there were all these other things, and I was like, well, I can do things that get me the results that I want without having to have losing weight as the intermediary you know i can buy different bras i can buy clothes that look really good on me at the size i am right now you know i can exactly accept that i look beautiful and sexy at the weight i am now instead of assuming that oh i'll only be beautiful you know when i'm 30 pounds lighter like 
Yeah. Yeah, I just realized there was all this stuff that I could do to get what it was that I was ultimately trying totally. to get. And that's part of that, that intermediary like, thing. Cleaning out the mental closet, right? Yeah. I think that we pack all this meaning into stuff. Mm-hmm. And those are the things we really need to clear out. And I think clearing physical space can can like Trigger. be the spark plug right. for that 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 combustion Hearing reaction or whatever, well. you know. Yeah. But like um so people will like I'm a fat girl. I'm just I'm a fat girl. Like there is no <laughs> denying that, right? So and that word doesn't have the same charge for me. Right. Fat girl does not mean unworthy, unlovable, disgusting. Like it doesn't right. mean all those things to me that people Maybe it means for them, or they've brought meaning into that and packed this tiny little word right. with all. That's a really heavy. You let go of that agreement. That yeah, fat exactly. Means unworthy, so, et exactly. Yeah. So, um, so I have no problem saying that if someone's like, "Hey, fat girl," I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> that's all you got." Right? Like, dude, <laughs> boy, you must have lost sleep trying to come up with that one. It's like, you know, like obviously, you know, so. Um, so like unpacking, unpacking that and getting rid of that baggage, right? Like, um, then it just makes it a lot easier Then I don't, I'm not afraid of somebody calling me fat. I, you can look at me and tell I'm fat. Like that's not right. So certainly words like big girl, Amazon woman, tree woman, like, do you <laughs> know what I mean? Like I'll say those things because it makes other people feel more comfortable. Right. It's amazing to me if I say like, well, fat girl over here can't, you know, like... They think, oh, Jacqueline like, must no! have horrible self-esteem, Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, no, don't say that about yourself. Like, what? Like, come on. I have a mirror. Come on. Guys. Like, seriously. Like, you know, how many X's are in front of my L? Like, there's no, like, denying that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like... Um, so, un- un- unpacking that and releasing that baggage means that's not one of the spaces where I'm running from that judgment, afraid of that judgment. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know Um, what I just realized? mm. So after I had that sort of breakthrough that I just mentioned, um, I went and scheduled a photo shoot with Kami's... Connie Zimmerlich of Click Chick Photography, yeah. which we know through Nabo. Um, so I had won a session with her That's as right, part of my package, prize package, back in like May, and I hadn't yet scheduled mm. the session with her. And I did that last week, and now just as we're talking, I realize, oh, it's because I accepted that I look good enough to be photographed. Mm. <laughs> and I'm going shopping with Clarice this week, okay, and to f- buy like a nice outfit for the photo shoot and everything. Cool. So, so yeah, so, so it's like, just, like okay, great, I can be are. beautiful right at the weight are. that I am right now, right where you are. Yeah, totally, and. So one of the things that um, was coming up too, I don't know if we've talked about this book here. Um, it's called The Dark Side of the Light Chasers no, by I Debbie Ford. Okay. Oh, so good. Oh, I love Debbie Ford. She was one of the first people I found that actually talked about the shadow. Okay. Right. So um, growing up in this fundamentalist slash addict house, right? Like there was a lot of... We have to put it on, put on the show for the neighbors and right. deny Hide our it. Right. It was like total Lawrence Welk, like bubble <laughs> machine crap. And so from the beginning, I saw 
not admitting that there's problems is really toxic, dangerous, and unhealthy, right? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, nobody wants to talk about that. So right. Debbie Ford was one of the first people that I found that, that talked about the shadow. This book is amazing, um, and we'll have a link in the, in the show notes. But one of the activities that she, that she does in that that's really, really powerful, she does a lot of mirror work. And so the idea is, and I find that it's far more powerful if I have someone next to me while I'm doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you can certainly do it on your own. And the idea is that you find the words that, that are charged for you, right? right? So for a lot of women, the word fat is deeply charged. So to look yourself in the mirror, in the eye, and say, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat, right? Like, just keep doing it. Right. And until I, it loses its power. Until is that it loses its idea? power. Until it's right? just a word so, again. So, like, um, some of the workshops that I'll do, I'll have people pair off, right? And there's an exercise that we do to find the words that are charged um, by our judgments of other people. Right. It's a great way to find the things Ooh. we hate in other people. <laughs> oh, I just hate that he does that. It's the worst, right? Right. Well, what is it that's the worst, right? And find that thing. And then the, the partners go back and forth. Right, and the per- well, the person across will say you're fat, and the person says I'm fat, and you just keep like keeping each other's gaze uh-huh. and just keep doing that until it loses its charge. So inevitably, there's going to be some tears, right. right? And it's really really difficult. But then on the other side of the tears, like there's this massive release, and you may even start <sighs> feeling like the like it becomes funny. Right. right. Like I'm fat. Yeah, I'm fat. I'm fat. You know, and like, and it can start like blooming even into all these, these beautiful aspects. Right. So, so like, you know, I've got this like fat, juicy personality and I've got this, you know what I mean? Oh, right. Like, yeah. because in any other context, fat is awesome. We like but fat wallets, fat, and paychecks. fat sandwiches, yeah. fat paychecks. Like there's all this stuff that we love when it's fat. You know, yeah. like that's the best, this big, fat, juicy, thick thing, you know. Right. And then suddenly when it comes to women, like, oh, it's Ooh, you're fat. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so like, so it gets to this place where it just starts, right? You get past the trigger. Yeah. And then it's like, not only does it not have that weight for you anymore. Ha ha ha. Um, do you see what I just did there? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> So, like, <laughs> so it doesn't have that weight or charge anymore, right? But it can, so it can become funny and then even begin to bloom. Yeah. And, and you see, um, you see all the benefits from that and see the light side of that shadow. Yeah. So to speak. That's why I like that, um, that song that was back in the 90s, um, Baby Got Back. Oh, yeah. No, I- <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I love it. I mean, even though it is sort of sexist or whatever, it's but not it's not sort so... of sexist. It's like really, sexist. <laughs> yeah. But it's, but it's still it's fabulous like, yeah. for me. Brick house, <laughs> brick house is my anthem. She's a brick house. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> letting it all hang out. Like that. That's that is my jam right there. That's my, that's yeah. my jam. I love that song so much. So, like, and that like. You know, that's like really stepping in. And it took me a while to get to that place, right? Because I was raised in this place where there's this aesthetic that women should be small, petite, dainty. Mm -hmm. Like if we're looking at the Victorian ideal of woman, right, which is underlying all of our stuff in in this culture, um, in the Victorian age was when they really started 
defining this public-private split, right? Hmm. And the woman was the angel of the house. Mm. And it was very sexy, really, to be weak and sick all the time. Yeah. Right? So, like, the most desirable, attractive women were the ones that were incredibly pale and fainting all the time. You know, yeah, like, yeah. they had, you know, yeah. they, they, they were so, like, demure and feminine and weak yeah. that they couldn't hold themselves upright eight hours yeah. a day. You know what I mean? Well, like, that was, like, uh, that same idea was behind the foot binding in China. Yes. Um, my son did a research that was part of yeah. his research uh, project at school, and... Yeah, and that was, and for anyone who doesn't know what foot binding is, it's where they would wrap, as a girl, they would wrap the girl's feet in these really, really tight cloths, so like ace bandages, kind of, like really tight, and what it would do is it would constrict the foot so they couldn't grow. And then eventually it would start breaking the bones and fold it back over. Yeah, and so, and the idea behind it was that a those women that were the most desirable as brides because only a rich man could afford a woman who couldn't work. Right. So if she's completely immobile. Right. If she's immobile then she yeah, can't totally. she can't do physical labor or anything and so she's like a trophy wife. Totally. Because she's teetering about on right. these tiny little feet and yeah. um and it's really interesting to see like the shoes, right? The little Oh yeah he showed me some lotus pictures shoes of them. or whatever. Yeah. And when you see them in in like in real life and mm-hmm. see how tiny they were. Um, and you know, Chinese are like doll size. Like they're really, really small, yeah. but it's interesting because, um, I used to have a pair and they were fabulous platforms. They really, really were, but like they were really, really high platforms. So the bottom of them was narrower at the bottom. I mean, if you just oh, saw those the are print, so dangerous. <laughs> if you just saw the print on the ground or something, mm-hmm. you would think that like a five year old, had come past there right. instead of a full-grown 5'9 woman. Those right? things scare me when I see it. When it goes down, because, like... In, well, they were so high. Yeah, they were high, but they, they make really, them really unstable high. when they go in, right? Well, these I don't think went in. They oh. went straight oh, down. Oh, so your foot was actually but that But they small? were so high that the imprint is really, really small. Hmm. Right? Like, if you're, like... On your toes, do you know what I'm saying? Oh, right, yeah. Like, the imprint on the ground is going to be really, really small. And they were, like, I could turn my ankle on those things and go down. Wow. Right? Like, they were really dangerous shoes. But um, I loved them. They were gorgeous. But they were really, really dangerous. And and it was on one of my trips to China that I realized that, like, high heels were sort of the modern-day foot binding. Right. Right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's teetering around. Um, not being able to go in certain places. Like, I couldn't walk on gravel in those shoes. There's right. no way. Yeah. I'd have to have somebody on either side of me to make sure I didn't flop over because yeah. the tiniest little uneven surface would send me to the floor because yeah. there was just no balancing. Do you know what I mean? That's so, why it annoys me in, in movies when they always have the the woman who's, like, the fighter um, uh, fighting or doing martial arts in, like, high heels. Right. <laughs> Like yeah, right, <laughs> right. <It> just, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and I guess like obviously there are lots of dancers that you know because you'll see these choreographed videos and stuff where everybody's in these where they crazy do, high they heels. They can't do it, apparently. Yeah. So, um, but then you know you have surgery every three years. So, like mm-hmm. my my other mother um, cut hair, and it was the seventies, and she was as fabulous as the seventies got. I mean. 
every awesome seventies thing you can think of. Sue did. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah. And um, she cut hair. She had her own her own salon. Even has a story of like fighting the bank guy um, because they wanted her. They weren't going to give her the loan for the for the place. Right? right. So women didn't get the right to have a loan without a male cosigner until 1985. Um, Nalbo helped. Helped yeah. make that happen, right? So this was in the seventies when she started this shop. So she was in that space, and she's in a little tiny town, and her right. dad's a bit of a loose cannon. <laughs> Everyone knew her dad. So when the bank manager was like, "Well, your husband or your dad needs to sign," she was like, "Well, uh, I don't have a husband, and this isn't my daddy's shop." So yeah, right? And the Jones, like the Jones, she, her last name's Jones, so she could Jones. And everyone knew that. And her daddy taught her how to Jones. And so I think the bank manager was scared of her dad coming down and calling her. <laughs> so I don't know what the, I, I don't know if the bank manager co-signed. I don't know how they, they got, got around it, it around yeah. it. But, um, but she talked about that, but she, so she had her own shop and she cut hair all day long in those fabulous seventies platforms and heels. Wow. Right. So she had foot surgeries every couple of years. Wow. Jeez. Because your feet just can't take yeah. that. And so she would be off her feet, recovering from foot surgery, and she would wear her flats as long as the doctor told her she had to to recover. And the minute her recovery time was over, boop, she was back up in those heels again. Wow. Like, you know, it was just like, that's what she was going to do. But um, <laughs> but anyway, we went really far away from Kali in that place. Yeah. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> All right, so we've kind of gone all over the place here. We Surprise! Didn't, yeah, we didn't really plan out today's episode. No, we just sort of sat down and started talking. So, but so we see if did, you see a difference at all. Yeah, but we did have definitely some themes coming up. So let's talk about really quick um, practical things that people can take away and apply, apply in their lives. And their thing, yeah. yeah. So I think our like theme has been decluttering, right? Um, yeah. Whether that's physical space or, uh, like, emotional. Mentally, emotionally, And so, um, there's a couple of... So, part of it is, like, literally decluttering physical space um, and really going through places and thinking about, um, you know, what, what, what does that thing tell you? Are the clothes in your closet reminding you that you're overweight and can't fit into these things, right? Are they it was on clearance and it's on sale or are they really things that make you feel good? Right. Right. So why do you have it and what could it be doing instead? Exactly. Is there, is there, is there someone else that would love that? Yeah. As opposed to you tolerating it. Right. So, um, so release those things to people that will love them. And, and as part of that, the, the physical decluttering can be a really good way to show us, the mental and emotional and spiritual decluttering that we need to do. So, so if that physical decluttering happens in a 30 minute window and then you spend some time journaling afterwards about the things that came up for you, right. Then that's a really great way to, to use that to the maximum benefit and make sure that the physical decluttering is consciously being taken through all your realms, 
right? Because I, right. my own experience is that it it is working on different realms anyway, right? We're, we are multidimensional beings, so um, so it's happening on these different realms anyway. But it, the more conscious you can be about that, the less trouble you're going to get from Kali when she comes through. You know, right. and it's that sort of like <laughs> mom. Uh, like if your kids aren't, and you know, there were several times that I went through Miles's room with a garbage bag, right? So yeah. I feel like that's kind of we're in this thorny space right now, yeah. and if we don't get our rooms clean, yeah. Mom's gonna do it, you know. Yeah. So yeah. like, so go ahead and get that done like beforehand, and if the more consciously you can do it, yeah, the less painful it's gonna be when Kali comes in with her garbage bag. Do right. you know what I mean? You know, when you just answered a question for me, I've been uh, wrestling with for a little while is because both of my kids' rooms need to be cleared out. And they, I mean, they have stuff in closets and whatever that's right, been right, touched right. in years. And so I've been debating about whether I should just go through and take stuff out without them knowing. So, because they have a tendency in the past, it's like, no, I want to keep that. No, I still want it, you know? And so I know that that's like an ordeal to go through. And so, but then at the same time, I don't want to go through their space and take their stuff without their knowledge or permission either. So I think what I'm going to do based on what you just said is I'm going to do it with them. I'm going to give them a chance to do it. And if they won't, release stuff then i will go through when they're not home and get rid of stuff myself i'll be golly (laughs) right totally yeah no and and there's you know there was one particular episode that miles is still angry at me about like if i remind him he was still like you threw away all those lego instruction books you know (laughs) so um but like yeah giving them the deadline um maybe even spending some time with them Mm -hmm. so that they can Help. Like, teach them how to go through that teach process, them the process of letting go. Yes. Right? Are you yes. using this right now? Is there someone else that can use it? Is there, right? Like, because yeah. it was amazing in Miles' room the amount of space that there was. You could find it was so packed. Yeah. But the energy couldn't move, right? Yeah. So, um, so giving them the process of helping them figure out, you know, am I using this now? Or does it need to go to Goodwill or does it need to go to the trash, right? So that same kind of thing. Um, and, uh, and, and I think you're going to have your own insights as part of that process. I mean, yeah. the universe is amazing and generous with lessons. So, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's a powerful experience. So, so I think the physical decluttering does a lot of clarifying for us. Right. And there's certainly, um, um, and I was sad that I had done all this clearing before I heard that there were people leaving to go up to standing rock because those clothes mm-hmm. definitely could have gone to standing rock. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had, I, I sent all my camping equipment. I've had all this camping equipment oh, for years. Right. Yeah. I have never used it, right? <laughs> I've loaned it out. Like when Occupy Phoenix was doing their stuff, yeah. I have, people came and picked stuff up. That's the only time the camping equipment has been used yeah. is when I was By getting, other people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so decluttering both Decluttering physical spaces and then emotionally. spending. Right. So if right. it needs to be chunked off so that you can journal to make sure it's conscious. Um, and then like to really focus on the emotional clearing um, to pay attention to the judgments that we have of others, recognizing that by judging others, we are feeding the thing that judges us, right? And um, using Debbie Ford's techniques of mirror work and finding what it is that you really cannot stand about that person, right? Or if there's words that are triggers for you, to take that word, look in the mirror, 
and just like make eye contact with yourself and continue to say that until it doesn't hold a charge for you anymore. Right. So that it's, it's, um, really cleaning out that emotional closet and opening each one of those bags and unpacking it until it's empty. So glad that you could join us today. And we are here to start a conversation, not be the conversation. So we would love to have you join us uh, around the digital campfire. Uh, you can come to the Facebook page, find Kitchen Table Alchemy, the group. Um, and that's a great place to connect with other people, uh, talk about what we've been talking about, also to find out where our next pop-up podcast is going to be. And Pinterest, find us on Pinterest. So that article that you were looking for, that you've scrolled through, and you can't find it, it's probably on the Pinterest board. So uh, go find the Kitchen Table Alchemy group over on Pinterest. And for the latest episodes, you can go to our website, kitchentablealchemy.com, or you can subscribe through iTunes. And that way it's downloaded automatically. You don't have to remember anything. That's that's what I like. <laughs> so, yeah, so we've loved having you. Y'all come back now, you hear? here. <laughs>